0: For I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace. Not for evil, but to give you hope in your final outcome. Very interesting. This was a verse and a promise that was given to God's people when they were captives in Babylon. And it comes right in the middle of a whole prophecy where God is promising to take them back to the land of Canaan. And as I read that verse, as I was reading that passage, I thought to myself, that's not just a prophecy, but that tells me something about God's heart for you and for me. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 puts it even better. But it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love them. And then Ephesians 1 puts it like this. It talks about the riches of his grace. That is riches and blessings that God wants to pour on your life and upon us as a church that are totally undeserved. We haven't earned it. We don't deserve it. And yet God richly Wants to bless us. And my question this morning is this. Are you enjoying God's best? Think about it. Are you really enjoying God's best? And is there something in you that is determined that you're not going to miss out on anything that God has for you? You know, this is not something you manoeuvre. It's something that God gives you. The little boy was disappointed at not being cast as Joseph in the school nativity play. Instead, he was given the very minor role of the innkeeper. And um, throughout the weeks of the rehearsal, he brooded over this. How could he avenge himself on his successful rival who had got the part for Joseph? I mean, he wanted the best part and he didn't have it. It came the day of the performance... Mary and Joseph made their entrance and knocked on the door of the inn. The innkeeper opened it a fraction and eyed them coldly. Can you give us board and lodging for the night, pleaded Joseph, who then stood back, waiting the expected reply. But the innkeeper had not pondered for weeks for nothing. He suddenly flung the door open, Beamed and smiled and cried, Come in, come in. You shall have the best room in the hotel. Now, there was a pause. But you know, when you try to maneuver things, you actually get caught out. And young Joseph had some presence of mind. He said to Mary, Hold on a minute. I'll just take a look inside, love. He peered past the innkeeper and then shook his head fam- firmly and announced, I'm not taking my wife in a place like that. Come on, Mary, we're sleep in the stable. <laughs> and of course, the boy who had tried to manoeuvre it was totally undone. And you know, friends, God's riches and God's blessings are not things that you can manoeuvre into, but they are things that you can seek after. They are things that you can open your heart to. And God wants you to enjoy everything that he has promised in his word. This book is absolutely full of so much that God wants to bless you with. Spiritual witches. Listen to what Philippians said. What things were gained to me, these things I count but loss. Then he goes on to say that I might know him. And the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to the death, it by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. You know, when you read the Bible, you read about people who experienced God, who knew him, who felt his presence, who entered into the supernatural. Moses on Sinai, God revealed himself to him. Elijah, there was a still, small voice. There were the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. Can I ask you a question? Have you experienced God? Have you felt his power and his presence in your life? Have you a close relationship with him? Have you entered into all the spiritual riches that God has for you? Do you know there's a whole supernatural world that God wants us to enter into? There's a whole supernatural world where we can experience God and see him work in our lives. It's there for the taking. There's emotional riches. You know, I look around sometimes the church and I see, not here of course, some other places, you know, people who seem so miserable, seem so under the weather, seem so emotionally, how can I put it, injured in some way or the other. And that's not God's will. Listen to what Peter says, though we do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Are you experiencing that this morning? Do you feel so happy that, and so joyful and so full of God that you just, there's no words to express it? That's God's blessing for you. What about contentment? says this, now I speak in regard to need for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content, to be full and hungry, both to abound and to suffer need I know how to be abased I know how to abound everywhere in all things I have learned to be content have you got that this morning, emotionally do you not only feel a sense of incredible joy but a sense of peace a sense of contentment you're enjoying that emotional experience that God can give you. What about physical riches? Psalm says, my heart and my flesh fail, but the Lord is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You know, I thank God every day, even though my body is not perfect and it has its aches and pains, I thank God for what I've got. I thank God for the strength that he gives me day by day. God wants to bless you physically. He doesn't want you to wake up in the morning feeling, oh God, not another day. But wake up in the morning and feeling, right, another day. And, and, and there can come through his spirit strength. Moses lived for 120 years and it said his strength did not fail. There are riches. There's mental riches. Paul praise, he says that the eyes of your understanding. Being enlightened, you may know. And he gives a whole list of things to know in Ephesians 1, verse 18. What do you know this morning about God? To what degree have you sought to know him? You know, so often the reason why that we come to meetings and we find it difficult is because our minds are full of so much stuff that it's not edifying. It's not helpful. But you know, when your mind is full of God, when your thoughts are on God, Jesus said, the truth shall make you free. And, and there, is a, there is a whole richness of knowledge that God wants to impart to you. You say, well, I'm not very brainy. Listen, listen, it's not to do with brains, it's to do with the Holy Spirit. We had a young woman that came to our church and she had learning difficulties. And um, she sometimes would get up to pray it was so, it, I mean, the words were so simple. But the insight, what she said, was absolutely incredible. Here was a girl with, with learning difficulties, and yet somehow she grabbed something of God that was so rich and so wonderful. There's also material riches. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Do you know, I'm praying that God will give us a few millionaires in this church. Amen. Why? So we got rich people in the church? No, but so they've got so much money, they've got to give it to the church. I don't know about you. See, God says he will supply all of our needs. He will give us enough. But there are times when he gives us more than enough. Why? Because he wants it for his kingdom. How much can God trust you with this morning? You know, I think sometimes we we, we don't enter into material riches because we see riches as ours rather than what God has given us to be stewards of but you know God wants you to enjoy the riches of material things why so that you can use them for the kingdom I'm looking for the day when we've got a million pounds to spend on this place when we can do all the things that we can come into a place that feels warm feels hot feels different why because God has done it God has met the need God has undertaken now things friends There's so much for us to enjoy. And I think to myself, but hold on a minute. When God wrote those first promises to the Israelites, were they enjoying it? No, they weren't. They were captives. They were slaves. They were in a foreign land. And here they were, these people that had all the promises were totally missing it. And then I thought about Christmas. One of the greatest, if not the greatest, event that took place in the world. God came into this world. God entered into the world. And, and back to the future, looking back and thinking about today, the question I ask myself is are we doing exactly the same things that these people did and missed it? You know, somebody wrote this, no doubt there were many shepherds in the same country that first Christmas keeping watch over their flocks. They saw nothing unusual that night, and they heard nothing, save the bleating of some restless sheep. There were also a few shepherds who saw the glory of the Lord in the heavens and heard the angels sing glad tidings. In person they beheld the Christ child. No doubt there will be many people in the country this Christmas going about their business or pleasure. They will see nothing unusual that night. They will hear nothing, save the rustling of some discarded tinsel, But there will be a few persons who will see the glory of the Lord in the heavens. They will hear the angels sing glad tidings. In spirit, they will behold the Christ child. Friends, it's so easy to miss what God is doing. It's so easy to miss all the benefits that God wants to pour into our lives. And as I think about the Christmas story, I ask myself the question, Question, why did they miss it? What was it that happened in the lives of people that here, there were angels singing, there were wise men bringing gifts, there was the Christ child born, and yet the vast majority of the people just totally missed it. And you know, friends, I would hate to think that God would bless this church and the vast majority would actually miss it and only be a few that would be blessed. I believe God wants to bless everybody in this place. I believe there can come a moment, friends, when God can pour something out that can so bless our socks off that we just wonder what's hit us. So how do we miss it? Well, first of all, it seems we miss it through inconvenience. It says in Luke 2, verse 10, there was no room for them in the inn. Here was the mother and father. Here was Mary to bring forth the son, the son of God. They came to an inn and there was no room. It was too inconvenient to find room for them and they ended up in the stable. I wonder, are some things a bit of an inconvenience to us when God tries to speak to us and God tries to say something special to us and we're so busy? You know, even at Christmas time, friends, we can get so busy doing, doing, doing all the stuff. That Jesus, instead of being there at the centre, he's kind of a thought here. Maybe we go to church on Sunday morning. Maybe we won't. Maybe we're given some time here. No, but we've got the food to cook. We've got the presents to open. We've got all this other stuff. And it's a little bit inconvenient to bring Jesus into the centre. Friends, if we want to enjoy the best, Jesus has got to take central place. You see, it was an untimely inconvenience. They were busy doing other stuff when Jesus arrived. Do you know, sometimes God has a way of speaking to us and asking us to do something that actually isn't just the right moment. We've got something else on hand. We've got something else to do. Yes, Lord, I'll do it, but in a minute. And you know what what so many Christian leaders say? There are moments when we're going this way and Jesus passes by. And if we don't take it at the moment, he just carries on. And we miss the opportunity. And friends, be careful. When it's God's time, it's God's time. Get in there and grab hold of it. Sometimes it's an unpleasant inconvenience. If they were to give Mary and Joseph a room, somebody had to get out of their room. Nobody seemed to be willing to do it. And do you notice that God sometimes asks you to do unpleasant things? Why? He's testing you. Nobody would wash anybody's feet when the disciples walked into the upper room, but Jesus did. Jesus was showing us, friends, that if we want God's best, sometimes it means doing things we don't like doing. I find there are Christians, they say, yes, I will serve God, but as long as it's something I enjoy doing. Now I've got news for you. I've done lots of things in my Christian life that I didn't actually enjoy. But I knew I had to do it. It had to be done. And and service is sometimes doing the, the inconvenient, the unpleasant thing. And it's in that that God blesses us. It was an unprofitable inconvenience. There was nothing in it for anybody to let Mary and Joseph in. But you know, God blesses people that do things that are not looking for any reward. Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't look for earthly reward. Do you know, so often, we want our reward now. And we want reward in heaven. You know what the Bible says? It says that the reward that we get in heaven will be for what we've not been rewarded on earth. Now, I wonder how much you've got stacked up in heaven at the moment. There are times when doing something unrewarded is that very moment when we step into God's best. A lawyer by the name of Webster tells the story of how when he was starting, he was asked to take a case concerning the dispute over £20. It was such a small case, and the man he was helping couldn't pay him. But he took the case to help the man anyway. And won it. Many years later, when he was in America, a lawyer could not complete a case because of illness. It was a huge trial. It was a headline case. It was over millions of pounds. And because he happened to be around, they asked him to step in and take over. Money was no object. At first he felt like, I can't just step in at the last moment and take this case. I might lose it. But they kept on to him and said, please, just look at the case. Well, he looked at it, and you know what he found out? The principles of that case were exactly the same as the case of £20 many years ago. He walked into the courtroom. He took over the case. Everybody was astonished at the way he managed it, having come in at the last moment, and he won it. And it happened because he took that case without reward many years previously. You know, God, God sometimes does things and we don't get any reward. Don't moan about it. Don't complain. God has something more in store. Just thank God for the opportunity to serve. Some missed it through an attention. It says Herod had gathered all the chief priests and scribes together. He inquired of them where Christ was to be born and they told him. They knew it. Matthew 2 verses 4 to 6. They said in Bethlehem of Judea, Now, if they knew it, how come they didn't go with the wise men and worship him? If they seemed to know the word and know the answer, why was it in some way they didn't get the whole thing? Well, you see, they hadn't given attention to it. They'd missed out. They'd they'd, 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 they'd focus on some aspects of Christ's coming and missed out on the rest. Inattention. and You know, sometimes we can miss God's best through inattention. Inattention to God's word. I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. Do you read this book? Do you study it? Do you know it? I'm not going to ask you, but I'm tempted sometimes to ask everybody to stand up. who's actually read right through the Bible. Once. I mean, just once. And yet it's amazing how few Christians have and, and, and when you read it, do you give it attention? Do you look at it? Do you ask yourself what it teaches you? You know, sometimes when I read through the Bible, I just read through it. But sometimes I buy a study Bible and I read all the notes. Now, it takes me a lot longer. But I tell you what, I find something trues in it that I've not had before. And I read all the notes and, as well as everything else and I learn something from it. And friends, if we want God's best... We need to give attention to God's word. We need to love God's book. You know, there are are people that have walked hundreds of miles just to get one Bible. Why? Because they want to give attention to it. In attention to God's word. In attention to God's will. I mean, these were Jews. These were the people that God said, from you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. This is my will for your lives. And friends... God has put us here. Why? To bless the whole of South sea. And I believe to have an impact upon the whole of this city. God has a purpose and God has a plan. I'm in this church because I believe God put me here. And I'm going to stay here until God shakes me out of it, if he ever does. And if he doesn't, I shall stay here till I die. Because I believe that is God's will for my life. And as part of that, I'm asking daily, Lord, I'm a bit towards the end of my time, and I know, Lord, you know, I can't do what I used to do, but what's your will? What do you want me to do in this situation? Now, can I ask you, friends, do you know God's will for your life? Are you here because you're absolutely convinced that God has placed you here? And having placed you here, do you know why God has put you here? You have talents. You have abilities. You have things that God wants to use. Are you given attention God's will. God's ways. You know, they were looking for God to do something this way, and God was doing it that way. He wasn't doing the kind of the way they were looking for it to happen. Do you know the people that often miss out on revival is the people that enjoyed the previous one? Because they think they know now how God does something, and so they're looking for God to do it like that. And guess what? God comes along and does it different. And friends, if we are going to enjoy God's best, we must be open and willing and give attention to what God is doing, not what we think he should be doing. What is he doing? He did not use a silvery box of paper, green and red. God laid his Christmas gift to men within a manger bed. No silken cord was used to bind the gift sent from above was wrapped in swaddling clothes and bound by tender cords of love. There was no evergreen to which his precious gift was tied. Upon a bare tree on a hill his gift was hung and died. Was taken down from off the tree from where he shed his blood but death itself could not destroy the precious gift of God. Friends, God's gifts aren't already always wrapped up the way we'd like them to be. But if we give attention to God's ways, we will enjoy God's best. I think some also missed it through indifference. It says now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and it goes on to talk about the wise men came. And and it talks about how the the whole of Jerusalem was troubled and herod. Why? What was the big deal? What was the panic about? Why were they suddenly all worried? It seemed to me, friends, they were a bit scared of what this might mean to them and to their position and to where they were. There was selfish independence. There was Herod. He was king, and nobody was going to take his place. And, friends, you know, sometimes in the things of God, we we can, particularly at Christmas time, we can be so thinking about ourselves, what I want my way. And we can forget and we can miss out on what God wants. You know, if you want God's best, you've got to submit to him. You've got to be prepared to bow the knee to him. You've got to be prepared to put him first. Not like the little boy who was asked what Christmas time was for in a Sunday school class and one 11-year-old said, Christmas is a time for sportsmanship. Because you don't always get everything you want. (laughs) And that is true. And friends, God doesn't always give you everything you want. but He does give you everything you need. And he gives it so that you might be a blessing to others. Stubborn independence. You know, nobody... Herod was not going to submit, even to the point that he was prepared to kill every child under two years of age. There was a stubbornness in him. And you know, sometimes, friends... We can be stubborn. We can be so independent. We can so want our way that when God wants to bless us, he can't do it because we're not submitted to him. They missed it through idolatry. You know, Luke chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, talks about the decree going out, the census taking place, and everybody being registered. And the whole nation uh, uh, of the Roman Empire, it was all kind of linked to worship in the nation worshipping the empire, worshipping their gods. And and everything was focused on that so that when God entered into the world, their idols were other things and they missed him. You know, friends, it's so easy to be worshipping things rather than him. Now, I I found this a little bit kind of under the belt, but I'll tell you anyway. A leader of a church was asked why there was a mirror in the entrance of the church. Well, he said, it's to remind some of my congregation who they really worship. Now, just think about that for a moment. They were worshiping themselves, not God. You know, somebody said this, a person all wrapped up in himself makes a very little package. And that's true. You know, sometimes, friends, we can have idols in our lives. They may not be things of wood and stone that we bow down to, but they can even be the things that God gives us our time. It's my time. No, it isn't. Who gave you the breath to breathe? Who gave you the time? It was God. It's not your time. It's his time. You are stewards of the time that he's given you. It's my money. It's my treasures. I work for it. Well, who gave you the strength to work in the first place? It was God. And friends, those treasures we are, we are stewards of them. It's my talent. No, it's not. Who gave it to you? And sometimes, friends, we can put those things in their place as an idol. And God takes second place, just like these people. And last of all, and here's one to me that really hits hard. They missed it through indifference. You know, the, the shepherds came... It says in Luke chapter 2, verses 15 to 18, they saw all what was happening, and they made it known widely, the story of what they saw, and it says, people heard it, marveled at the things which were told them. But what did they do? Nothing. And I say to myself, hey, what's going on here? Here were people marveling, and yet still it passed over their heads, the whole thing. Seem to go over their heads. It seems there was total indifference. And you know, friends, if there's one thing that God hates, it's indifference. Revelation 3 verse 15 says, I know your works, that you are neither cold or hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's pretty strong stuff, isn't it? Do you know that one of the signs of the last days before Jesus come is coldness? It says in Matthew, and because lawlessness shall abound, the love of many will grow cold. Friends, how strong is your love for Jesus? How passionate are you about it? Where, where is the passion in your worship? I heard somebody say this, and I'll, I'll repeat it. We see passion, human passion, as two people giving their bodies to each other. When the Bible talks about the death of Christ, it talks in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, in the authorized, about his passion. What was the cross? God was so passionate about you that he gave his body on a cross. So that you might live and so that your sins might be forgiven. I wonder, friends, how passionate are we for Jesus? Somebody said love is not afraid of giving too much. Friends, is our worship passionate? Is our service passionate? Are we so in love with Jesus that we can't do enough for him? Or are we indifferent? Are we lukewarm? We can be indifferent in our loyalty. Are we loyal to Jesus? Friends, so often we read stories of Christians that have been tortured on the rack, have given their lives. Do you know there are more people being martyred for their Christian faith in this century than in any other century before? There are people all over the Middle East being killed, beheaded, burned alive, and all kinds of things. Horrible things are happening. And these people are so passionate and so loyal to God and loyal to one another, they are willing to die and suffer for Jesus. I wonder how many of us are also had that passion. You know, God has so much for us. I wish, I wish I could open the kind of the box this morning and just kind of bring out a few jewels jaws just to bedazzle you of what God's word is, but I haven't got time. But I want to tell you this morning that God has so much in store for you. And there's so much. And he wants you to enjoy it. And my question is, are you enjoying God's best? Have you ever invited Jesus into your life? Maybe you thought that God was on the take. He's not. He's on the give. And the moment you give your life to him, the moment you open your life to him, he will pour into you his blessing. And as a Christian, are you determined? To follow him. Friends, people that want the best will do all kinds of things and in doing so often they don't realise it. They bring blessings to the whole world. On Christmas Eve in 1918 Franz Gruber, a church organist in a little town of Obendorf in Bavaria, made an alarming discovery. The church organ would not play. For several days previous to Christmas Eve, o- Odin. Dorf had been snowbound. Gruber, knowing there was no one in the town capable of repairing the organ, was afraid there would be no music for Christmas because the people loved the Christmas carols on Christmas Day. He couldn't imagine Christmas without music. He wanted the best for those who would come out to the Christmas service. Quickly, he went to the vicar, Joseph Moore, and told him his story. He asked Moore to write a new song that could easily be sung without the use of the organ. Later, as Moore sat reading the Christmas stories from the Bible, he was reading, Unto you is born in the city of David a saviour. And those words kind of hit him. And all night he meditated on them, and gradually a poem came to him. He wrote it and quickly gave it to the organist, who wrote a song to the words to go with them. Now the people were gathering in the church, There was one man, they found out, who could pick out tunes on a guitar. Thank God for the guitar when the organ goes wrong. And he asked him to accompany the new carol. The people of Obendorf loved the new song immediately. And so Joseph and France gave the world one of the most beautiful and best loved of the Christmas carols, Silent Night. All because someone wanted the best for God's people on Christmas morn. Friends, I do believe that God wants the best for us. And I ask you this morning, are you enjoying God's best? Or is there maybe some indifference? Maybe some little bit of idolatry? Some inattention? One of these things that caused a whole generation to miss out on the most wonderful thing that was happening right in their midst. And I believe, friends, that right in our midst, God is here, and he wants to bless you. He wants to do so much for you. I wonder, as we draw near to Christmas, do you need to tell God you're sorry because of indifference, because of inattention, because of idolatry? Do you need just to say to God this morning, Lord, I'm sorry. Please, I want your best. Let's just bow in prayer. Father, this morning, we thank you, Lord, because you have so much for us. Oh, God, there is so much you want to pour into our lives. Lord, you want us to be a people that are rich in blessing, whether it be material, emotional, mental, spiritual, whatever it might be, whatever we need. Father God, you want to pour it into our lives this morning. Father, I pray that if there are things in our lives that maybe are just stopping that blessing, speak to us this morning. Holy Spirit, just come and touch our hearts, I pray, that Lord, we will be open and allow you to have your way.